Let's take our Bibles and let's turn in them to the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 12. We're going to finish the chapter today, uh, verses uh, 12 through 31, in a message that I have entitled, One Body, uh, Many Members. One Body, Many Members. Let's take our hearts to the Lord. Uh, Father, once again, we just say thank you for loving us, for being so faithful to us, Lord, for uh, ministering as you do so faithfully, so consistently. God, you just, uh, you're just so amazing. And we, we want to say, God, would you please just minister to us today, wherever we're at, whatever's going on, whatever clarification or communication or exhortation, however you would like to minister to us, we're open to you. Give us ears to hear you, and uh, Lord, just that appropriate response to you. We love you, and uh, God, we just uh, say, have your way in Jesus' name, amen. Spiritual gifts are a matter of great interest in the church today. You know, many are confused and uncertain as to their application, as to their um, operations, wondering, you know, are they for today, and in what way do they evidence themselves when they are at work? And typically, I've discovered that the pendulum swings one of two ways, either to the extreme side of abuse or misuse, people acting all mystical, or, you know, what I like to term as perhaps um, hyper-spiritual uh, in their gatherings, or people who don't believe in the gifts at all, and so you'd find more life at a funeral service than you do, you know, at their corporate gathering together and all. And, but the Bible doesn't give credence nor credibility to either extreme. Now, nowhere in your Bible will you find it taught that the gifts of the Spirit were for a certain era, uh, you know, no longer needed today. Uh, equally true, we discover, guys, with just a nominal amount of study, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit will always be edifying to the body of believers, will always be glorifying to Christ. He won't draw attention to himself. He won't draw attention to anyone else. He won't diminish or in any way belittle the character of Christ, you know, be it through uh, some strange kind of uh, weirdness uh, of someone or even by some kind of verbal character assault or assassination. No, he will only point people to Jesus, uh, exhort dependence upon Jesus, admonish us to trust wholeheartedly in Jesus, you understand somehow and in some way he will direct our eyes, our hearts, our minds upon the Lord, the one who has loved us and given himself for us. And his ministry will work tremendous absolute unity through considerable diversity. And the way that he accomplishes this is through various gifts that he gives to individual believers. If you were with us last time, we went over some of the gifts. If you weren't with us, I encourage you to grab that, maybe download that, whatever the case may be. But we took the time to briefly consider the gifts uh, of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, uh, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, the discerning of spirits. Again, these gifts bringing edification to the body, glorification to Christ. But the question comes up, 
And so we took time to not really expound on it as our time came to a close last week because the question commonly comes up in the Christian community uh, with regards to what Paul brings up here in verse 10 of chapter 12 when he says, "...to another kinds of tongues." And what's the deal with tongues? Is that something that's legit? Uh, are people faking it? Uh, you know, to which I respond, yes. You know, uh, now again, let me reiterate that the Bible nowhere indicates that tongues would cease with the apostolic ministry or, you know, the early church in ancient history or anything like that. But somewhere along the way, Someone started uh, purporting that the evidence of having the Holy Spirit in your life, and thus the evidence of salvation, is the ability to speak in tongues. And then somewhere along the line, someone said, well, you know, and, and there's kind of groups on either side of this where, no, uh, uh, tongues aren't necessary for salvation, uh, but it is the evidence of being filled with or baptized in, you know, the Holy Spirit. Different groups call it different things, you know, filled with the spirit, baptized in the spirit, whatever. In both cases, however, such insistence on tongues being the absolute proof of having the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life has led to innumerable amounts of people seeking after this gift, even counterfeiting this gift so as to prove to themselves and assure to others that they really are filled with the spirit of God. And to me, that's a tragedy. What is the gift of tongues? Well, uh, the word simply means languages. Tongues just means languages. Maybe that'll help demystify or take some of the perplexity or obscurity away for you. And because the word tongue seems a kind of a mystical, like, what is this exactly? But if I just said another language, oh, okay, I get that. That's not, you know, too far beyond, you know, it would be now a language that you would not be familiar with personally, meaning it would be a language that you personally, not a secondary language that you know yourself, but that God would understand perfectly. In other words, it would be something that would require a bypass of your intellect and a stepping forward in faith. Now, guys, with this gift of tongues or gift of languages, another language, uh, it could be a, a simple, repetitive type of a thing. Uh, it may or may not be something that others uh, understand, meaning, it, you know, it won't necessarily, now it could be another language of which we are familiar, right? Like someone could have a gift that, that allows them to speak uh, French or uh, a German or some Asian dialect or Russian or, you know, whatever uh, the case may be, but not necessarily because what if someone's gift of tongues was to speak in some ancient, you know, Incan or Mayan language? I mean, how would that sound to your ears or to my ears? It might sound kind of like Jim something we've never heard of before. You know, I don't know how, you know, what the ancient Mayan dialect, uh, you know, was, but here's the other thing, you guys, the, the Holy Spirit is not even limited. Now listen to this because, you know, and, and here's what I was saying with that. 
Are they other languages? Yes. Are they known languages? Not necessarily. I mean, how many dead languages are there today? I, I don't even know. None of which are dead to, to, to God. He understands them all perfectly. But as far as human history is concerned, there are innumerable amount of languages that have been lost to history. But here's something that might blow your mind. Uh, the Holy Spirit may give a language to someone that's not even limited to the human language. Did you realize that? Uh, Paul mentions uh, in the next chapter that tongues or languages may include the language of angels. What does that sound like? You know, what di- what's the dialect of, of, of the angelic hosts? I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, so just because someone may make utterance in what seems to be an undiscernible dialect, uh, that doesn't mean it's illegitimate, Okay. But here's what we need to understand, that the gift of tongues is exercised from man to God, okay? It never reverses the flow being from God to man. That's prophecy. Are you with me? Many times, I, I say many times, I don't know how many times you've heard someone speak in tongues, but there are times when you'll hear someone speak in tongues and then someone will say, well, you know, thus says the Lord. They'll stand up and they'll give a thus says the Lord, a kind of follow-up. However, you need to understand just in your biblical, uh, you know, uh, discerning of what's happening there that uh, what they're doing is not interpreting. Now, it may have, once they heard someone speak in tongues, it may have emboldened them to move forward in something that God had laid on their heart, but what they're doing is not interpreting. They're prophesying. Prophecy is from God to man. Uh, Tongues or languages is from man to God. Are you following me? We say, well, then what is the purpose of the gift? Well, the Bible is pretty clear. It is prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Okay? You remember there in Acts chapter 2, there they were on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples. There were about 120 of them, and they began speaking in tongues. Now, we sometimes can have this misconception that they all just kind of simultaneously began to speak, and there was this radical kind of like uh, buzz going on. And, but, you know, the, the Bible doesn't really say that. The Bible says that they did so as the Spirit gave them utterance. There, there was an order to it. Uh, But there were people in the city, right, being Pentecost, one of the feast days, uh, from all over the Roman world. There they were, you know, and uh, the disciples were all Galileans. Guys, they didn't know these distant languages from every corner of the known world, and yet here they are speaking fluently in all these different dialects, and the people that were there around them and amongst the midst of them, well, they were blown away, and they started talking to one another, and they said, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language or our own tongue, right, in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, our own languages, the wonderful works of God. They weren't preaching the gospel. They weren't, you know, issuing, thus says the Lord. Guys, when, if you just read chapter 2 there, and uh, 
you know, when it came time to share the gospel, the tongues ceased. Peter stood up and he preached in the common Greek language of the day. They were giving God praise. They were proclaiming his wonderful works. In chapter 14 of this letter, Paul will tell them that when they speak in tongues, they give thanks well. They're giving thanks. And that's great. It's good. But the problem he will point out, and we'll talk about it when we get there, is that if there's not an interpreter... Or if everyone is kind of speaking simultaneously in one kind of, uh, you know, environment where everybody's just kind of doing their thing, the body isn't edified. It, it brings confusion and it weirds people out who come in unaware of what's going on. As for the evidence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, what is the evidence of, a, of the Holy Spirit in a person? Well, there's a, a kind of a few fingerprints that we might look at or think through. Jesus said this. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Um, so there would be the power to be a witness that comes with the Holy Spirit resting upon you. Uh, Paul uh, told the Galatians, but the fruit or the evidence, right, of the Spirit is what? Is love. Well, now that makes sense, doesn't it? Because God is love. And so if God is love and the Spirit of God dwells in us, then the love of God will certainly be present there. Um, and he's going to expound on that in the next chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. Now, here in chapter 12, we're learning that if the Holy Spirit is operating in my life or in your life, he will be made manifest or evident, right? We talked, remember the word manifest? We talked about it last time. I'm going to make my Bible manifest. There it is. You could not manifest, is manifest. You can't see it, you can't see it. So the Holy Spirit will make himself known or make himself evident in these gifts that will lead to edification and encouragement of the church. Guys, what I can't find anywhere is, is something in the Bible that makes it clear that what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you is that you speak in tongues. Now, did that happen in the book of Acts? Sometimes, not every time. And so what we do know is that the power to be a witness, the love of God, the gifts of the Spirit in operation, right? Now, so what then for the interpretation? What is the interpretation of tongues? Well, guys, the key word is the word interpretation. <clears throat> it's not a word for word translation. Okay. So we need to understand that we understand the difference, right? Between interpretation versus translation. Uh, it's the gift that allows tongues or these gifts of languages to be of benefit and or blessing to those other than the speaker. Okay. But the interpretation will give the essence of the meaning. 
Maybe you remember back in Daniel chapter 5. If not, I encourage you to go write it down, read it later. It's great. I mean, just read the book of Daniel. It's phenomenal. But there was Belshazzar, and, and he was partying, right, with the vessels from the temple that uh, they had stolen from Jerusalem, the temple of God, the vessels, the cups, and utensils and all. And uh, there they were, and it was this, this radical, wild kind of a pagan party, and they were gloating over the fact that they had, uh, you know, overcome uh, all these other gods and they were they were kind of diminishing the god you know obviously the god of israel by using the, the temple instruments and vessels to you know to drink and get drunk and all of a sudden i mean there it was this hand just shows up no no body attached to it just a hand and 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 it begins to write on the wall with its finger i mean I, listen you're going you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're like, you're freaking out. And that's exactly what they did. It began to write on the wall in the middle of this party. And there were only four words as he began to, the, the, the hand began to write. And it was like, many, M-E-N-E, many tekel you farsen or Perez. And uh, guys, no one knew what it meant, but everyone was freaking out. Ultimately, long story short, they, they called for Daniel, who was an old man by then, and, and uh, Daniel gave them the interpretation. But guys, it wasn't a four-word translation. Okay, in other words, when Daniel told them what it meant, he didn't just give them four words. He gave them an interpretation. Uh, he told the king, this is the interpretation of each word. Many. What does that mean, basically? It means that God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. And that word was written twice, so it's like he's saying, I'm telling you, king, your day is done. Okay? He emphasized it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting, and Perez, or Eupharsin, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That was not a, a word-for-word translation or transliteration, but it was an interpretation. And what Paul is going to tell the Corinthians a little bit later is that apart from an interpreter, the gift of tongues or languages is just to be kept between you and God, okay? When you're alone, it's great. Edify your spirit. It, it'll edify you. But when we're gathered together collectively, then let's look to be a blessing to the others around us. Do you understand what I'm saying? But evidently, the tendency within the Corinthian Christians was to divide or place certain gifts in certain categories of kind of hierarchy or elevation. You know, gosh, I mean, think about it. If you can speak um, a different language through the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit, I mean, man, that's awesome. I mean, think about that, you know. But those, those prophesiers, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's cool and all, but anyone can communicate in their own language, you know, and so it's like, hey, listen, guys, I really think that God, well, that's neat, neat, get in, speak in that language again. Wow, that's awesome, you know, kind of a thing. But Paul is saying, look, the gifts of the Spirit shouldn't lead to divisions and hierarchies and categories, uh, separation, but, but edification, because it's the same Spirit who sovereignly gifting each individual 
in the body. And therefore, they should build a greater unity. And listen, let me say this as well. Don't assume that greater... uh, that there is a greater spiritual maturity uh, on the basis of one gift over the other. Do you understand what I'm saying? As though the person who, we'll just say prophesies, uh, the one who is, you know, there he is, and he, he receives a word from God for the people in that moment, and he's speaking forth the heart of God to the people of God. And Wow, he must really be close to God. He must be, you know, really mature spiritually. Again, guys, they're gifts of the Spirit, not rewards based on merit of the Spirit. You know, as though, well, when you first start walking with God, you're still kind of immature. I don't know. Maybe you, I mean, if you're lucky, you might get, uh, you know, some whatever you would consider. I hesitate to even say because there's no menial gift, but whatever you consider to be. But then as you get a little closer, maybe God will entrust you with the word of knowledge. As you grow more, there comes that wisdom. And as you, you grow more, man, maybe now he's just really pouring out the miracle gift or something like that because you're super close to God and you've earned, you know, it doesn't work like that. Um... And guys, think about this. Paul tells the Corinthians that they were radically gifted. They fell short in no gift, but they, he also rebuked them because they were incredibly spiritually immature. And this is why, you guys, when you read of the criteria for positions of leadership amongst Christians, you know, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, uh, spiritual giftedness is not one of the requirements. Why? Uh, Because God can grant a gift in a moment's time. But Christian character and spiritual maturity can take years to build. So spiritual gifts, guys, don't highlight the greatness of man, but the graciousness of God. Are you following me? And they're to be used, as Paul tells us here in verse 7 of chapter 12, to bless and build up and benefit the church. Okay. Now, carrying on. <laughs> Verse 12, he says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, or of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. In other words, diversity in the body of Christ, he's still carrying on this. It shouldn't lead to division. It should facilitate harmony and unity. And he's giving this illustration, saying that differences of giftings are to divide us, they're to unite us. Paul says it's just like your body, just like your physical body. There you are. You're composed of many parts, many members. And there is a necessary diversity, but the entire body works together in perfect unity. And if it doesn't, then something's out of order, right? When something's not working right, you go see the doctor. 
And she says, so everything should be working together in unity, in harmony. There's a mutual dependency amongst the various members of your body, but each member has its role, its uh, assigned, you know, responsibility uh, to fulfill that the rest of your body is counting on so that the members, uh, so that everything functions. In other words, every one part of your body is counting on the other part of your body so that everything can function properly, right? And, and Paul is saying that's the way it is with the body of Christ. In, in the book of Romans, he, he put it like this. He said, for as we have many members in one body, he's talking about your physical body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, now he's moving into the corporate body, being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He's talking about unity in diversity. In other words, your hand does not have the same function as your foot, you know, as your eye, uh, as your ear, as your leg, as your kidneys, as your liver. I mean, you know, you, you get the idea. But each member is needed and necessary if the body is to function effectively as intended. And Paul is saying, guys, this is how the body of Christ is. Listen, here's the thing you need to understand, that being the body of Christ is not a, it's not a goal to be achieved, that we're becoming the body of Christ. It's simply a fact or a reality to be recognized. And the only question that confronts each of us individually and we can consider really corporately is, is the body and the members individually functioning as in, it's intended to be? I mean, listen, uh, some, you know, we're a body, some church bodies, I mean, I'm just going to say it, they're just comatose. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no one's doing anything. I mean, they're simply unresponsive to the stimuli of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe some members are functioning, but many are dormant. And they're unfeeling. And they're just not obeying the unction of the Spirit. They're not serving the body. They're not blessing the body in any way. And it makes for a, a real difficult process on the other members of the body who are having now to adapt and learn to function apart from the other members that, you know, who uh, are, are just not functioning as they're intended to function. Other church bodies on the other side, man, it's like they're epileptic or something. They're just, you know, everybody, they're just jerking around and spasming out. You know, there they go. And uh, we want to be that body who are just... We're firing on all cylinders. We're moving forward. We're getting things done. We're building up, blessing one another for the glory of God. Each part doing its share causes, Paul said in the book of Ephesians, the edification or the growth of the whole. But we're one body. We're not different, isolated groups. Guys, it doesn't matter where you've come from. doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter how young or how old, uh, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, your social class, you know, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. When you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, our word is, baptizes or immerses you into the body of Christ, and that's it, okay? 
So in other words, we're either in Christ and as such his body, or we're not, okay? And there are not bodies of Christ. There's only one body. And each believer is an individual member that makes up the whole. And each member, think about this, impacts the other for better or for worse. You understand that? Each member impacts the other for better or for worse. Just like your body. I mean, there you are. You guys realize that over the next 24 hours, your heart is going to beat over 100,000 times. You'll take, and these are approximates, but you'll take about 20,000 breaths in the next 24 hours. Everyone's going, there was one. <laughs> Shoot, you're going to get count. You know, you guys, you'll speak about 7,000 words. Some, not that much. Some, many, many more. And you know who you are. But every, every control system, your nervous system, your muscular system, your digestive system, your cardiovascular system, so on and so forth, will impact and affect the whole of your body. You know, the members of your body affect and, and uh, interact one an, uh, with one another. Your sweat glands, your brain cells, your sensory glands, you know, your taste, your smell. On and on you could go uh, about the intricate inner workings of the human body. Yet it all works in perfect harmony. I mean, what a marvel of evolution, right? <laughs> Not, come on, you're with me, right? You're staying with me. Guys, design, what does design scream? It, it screams designer, right? I mean, think about something like your vehicle, your car. Think of the design of a car. There it is. Every, every, every piece of it just intricately, uh, just in detail designed, you see. I mean, the way it curves or the, the, the motor, every part has to be exactly as it is or the interior or there's your phone and you think about, wow, someone thought about beveling those edges and the kind of glass and the, the complexities and all oh, the camera for the portrait and the soft focus and all of the kinds of things. And, and uh, yet, guys, uh, it's nothing. These things, your vehicle, this building, your phone, they're nothing, uh, you know, compared to the intricate complexity and diversity needing to function in perfect harmony known as the human body. And yet, though this thing, we all would agree, cannot just appear out of just, you just give it enough time and it climbs out of the ground, you just came from goo somehow. I mean, design screams designer. And God has designed the, the church like a body. Um, diversity, complexity, different roles and responsibilities. But we each share the commonality, the same life. We belong to the same Lord. And absolute unity of each member individually. And he says in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, am I not uh, I am not of the body. He says this is the mentality. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, so I'm not of the body. 
He says, well, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Or if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. Stop right there. Paul is going to touch on a couple of different topics in the remaining of our passage. The first being this sense of isolation that can lead to separation. The feeling of insignificance. That's what he's talking about. You know, uh, you walk into the church uh, building or maybe you've come here for a while, you know, you look around and you think, you know, I, I don't know, man, I'm not really like anyone here. There are no uh, groups uh, for me or the kind of person I am. And I mean, I don't know, maybe I just don't, I don't belong here. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, the enemy wants you to think that you're kind of the odd duck. You know, you're kind of the odd man out. Uh, you're not like the other kids. You know, so, so you don't belong. And he wants to isolate you in the fact that it, maybe it's true. You, you may be different than others around you. And so you adopt this mentality. Well, I'm not like these people, man, so I guess I just don't belong here, you know, kind of a thing in this group. That's like the foot saying, because I'm not a hand, I'm really not a part of the body. Can you see that? That's, what, that, that's the, the ideology that he's bringing up. You walk in, you say, I don't know. I'm not like these people, I guess. I'm just not part of the body. I don't belong here. That's like the foot saying, well, I don't know. I'm not like the hand. I guess I'm just not part of the body. He says that's ridiculous. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, you see. Hold up just a second here. It's precisely because you're not like us that you do belong with us. Amen. You see that? In other words, if we're all the same then that's, that's, kind of, that's a bit concerning. I mean, that's what Paul's talking about when he says, if the whole body were an eye, I mean, where would be the hearing? I mean, how weird would it be just to see this giant five-foot circumference you know, eyeball, just there it is, rolling down the street. It just there, you know, it's like that would be a little bit. That's not right. That's not how things should be. We need the diversity to create the beautifully balanced unity of the body. You understand that? There is no one who is insignificant in the body of Christ. That's what he's trying to tell you. Now, if you don't appreciate your place, meaning, you know, uh, the gifts you have or how that, where that puts you in the structure of the body, well, listen, um, you're just going to have to take that up with your designer, uh, because, you know, did you see verse 18? It's such a key. He says, God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Did you catch that? What does that mean? Listen, it means when you're not comparing or complaining about or contrasting yourself with other members in the body, but you simply, faithfully fulfill your role, the Lord is pleased with that. That pleases the Lord. 
You know, and guys, that's why we were created. You understand that, don't you? We were created to have fellowship with and bring pleasure to God, to glorify Him. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Now you and me, we can have a tendency to kind of magnify the sensational gifts. You know, that healing, that miracle, those tongues, or that teaching, or whatever it, it may be. They, just, they must be really important. There they are. They're up there in front. They're in the limelight and all. Wow, they must be really important, you know. But that's, that's the mentality that Paul is refuting here. Diversity does not suggest inferiority or superiority, Okay? Did God make a mistake when he placed you where he chose to in the body? Is that what you're suggesting? Because he's the one who sets each member individually in the body as he pleases. You know, listen, if it weren't for the more, let's just say, behind the scenes members of the body, there would be no ministry for the out front operations. You understand that, don't you? I mean, think about it. I mean, what, if, what if some member of, of, of my body or your body, just decided no longer wants to function for the rest of my body. I mean, you know, it's not where it wants to be. It's not getting the attention that it believes it should be. And so it just says, hey, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. I mean, my heart decides it's not going to fulfill its calling anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or my liver, or my kidneys, or my left leg, you know, whatever. I mean, it would be downright detrimental, if not deadly, to the whole body if each member isn't functioning as it should be faithfully. And the point is, you guys, is that we're given different gifts to bless and build up the body of Christ, your brothers, your sisters, and we need one another to function effectively in harmony, bringing glory to God and increasing His kingdom. I mean, guys, there are a handful of people, not a huge amount of people, but a handful of people who pray for this church every Sunday morning before you get here. Did you know that? I mean, there they are. And they're just praying for you and what God wants to do in you and that you will grow in Him and lay hold of all that He has laid hold of you for and the people who serve here. And, and there are people who gather here every Tuesday evening for prayer. You never see them. Are they insignificant? Absolutely not. They're the lifeblood of the ministry. I mean, guys, we couldn't function apart from them. There are people who take the time out of their lives to come around and clean this whole facility, you know, so that you can come in and just be blessed and not have to worry. There are people who mow 15 acres of grass so you can enjoy this property with your family, you know, and, and uh, that come up, people that come up here all every day of the week and just enjoy the property. There are people who manage the books administratively. Listen, which one do we not need? And so, not only is diversity acceptable, it's, it's essential. The body needs different parts, different roles, different responsibilities, or it's not a body. It doesn't function effectively. And so, listen, the fact that you're different 
helps define your place, where God has set you, what he wants to do through you. Don't try to be like anyone else. Just flourish in the place God has given you. And if you're not in that place, well, let me exhort you. Get, get busy. Get after it. What are you doing? Why are you not responding to the stimuli of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is why you're here. And don't jockey for what you believe to be the best position. Just, let's just be submitted to the sovereignty of God and serve Him to the best of our ability for the sake of His glory. Who's it about? And let Him set us in the body as He deems best, Right? Okay, in verse 21, he says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, you know, I I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He says, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be, look, no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, guys, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So this is kind of that same kind of principle from another perspective. In other words, not only is it not right to isolate and separate yourself because you're not like someone else, It's not right to exclude someone because they don't share in the same giftings you have. So he's kind of reversing the mentality. Not only should we not separate ourselves and isolate ourselves, and well, I'm not like them, I'm just going to bounce, but we shouldn't be like, hey, bro, you know, uh, look, here's the deal. We need one another, okay? It's easy, here would be kind of the, the quick understanding. It's easy for the one who's a gifted evangelist, right? There they are, and they have this, just this wonderful gift of evangelism. And, and they start thinking, look, if you're not going to get out there and win souls, then what good are you? You, you know, just, just move on. That's, that's their, that's, that can become the mentality that they can adopt if they're not careful, you see. Or those with administrative gifts to say, look, if you can't pick up after yourself, why are you even coming around here? Because those administrators, they like things in order and and, uh, in its proper place and everything. But people start thinking they can do better without others. Uh, Again, the truth is we can't function at all apart from others. Look at it like this. Can, Can my body function apart or without its heart? No, definitely it cannot, right? Yet equally true is that my heart will cease to function apart from its body, right? Uh, as will the brain, as will the stomach or an arm or an ear. You, you detach, you separate, you isolate any part, one from the other, and it'll, it'll cease. It'll, it'll stop functioning. There is a mutual dependency within a body. And each member individually serves the whole body collectively. You know, someone with a a tremendous gift of teaching or exhortation or 
prophecy and wisdom. There they are. They have all the things that the body, you know, uh, at large needs to grow and mature and move forward in their walk with Christ and all. But listen, you take them out of the body and you isolate them so that they can't function in the corporate assembly or in some manner like that, they become essentially useless. I mean, as far as, I mean, what benefits are they to anyone spiritually if they're not within the context of the body? People need teachers, and teachers need people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, There's a mutual dependency. And such is the nature of every gifting. That's what Paul is trying to communicate. They're given for the profit or the benefit of others. So these presentable parts, right? Ears, eyes, hands, feet. You know, they, they get all the recognition, When's the last time you really honored your small intestine? You know what I'm saying? You thought about it. You, you, you were careful to draw attention to it and acknowledge it in the award ceremony because, you know, apart from that thing, man, you just wouldn't have been able to, to run well or to perform well or to, to stand up there and share or do whatever it was you did, you know. But your whole body would come. I mean, there's your small intestine. Hey, I never get any attention. This guy never talks about me. Here I am slaving away, doing what I'm supposed to do. No one ever draws attention to me. But your whole body would come to a screaming halt if it fails to function as it's designed to. You know, you don't stop to realize how critical your molars are, right? (laughs) That you have this raging, insatiable toothache. Or a migraine. You know, you don't look, you don't go for a jog despite your splitting headache. You're like your legs are like, we're doing good down here, we're going on without you. It doesn't work that way. Your whole body waits on the resolve. Yes, your legs feel great, but you're not going anywhere. And, and so these these areas that seem less honorable, your stomach, you know, your liver, whatever, are more essential then we stop to appreciate or realize. And guys, when we get to heaven, I think we're all going to be in for a real surprise. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, we have a tendency to think that we'll see all these, you know, pastors and renowned evangelists and, uh, you know, maybe these great worship leaders, there he is, Billy Graham or D.L. Moody or Spurgeon or, you know, they're all up there at the, on the top, uh, you know, uh, echelon of the, uh, the podiums of the award ceremony and all of this and uh, probably not. You know, I mean, people of prayer, uh, behind the scenes servants. Givers. Do you guys realize in another section that the Bible talks about giving as a spiritual gift? Now, that doesn't justify your chintziness. We're all, we're all supposed to, you know, the tithe is kind of the thing. But there are some people whom God just moves in them, and they give, and they're so generous, and it's willful, and it's joyful, and it punches the kingdom forward. It moves ministry forward. It changes lives and impacts eternities. Guys, do you think that God's not going to honor that? these hidden parts of the body. And and this is why he says we we care for one another because we're all part of the same body and God has in his infinite wisdom honored each one equally in some capacity. Ultimately, eternally, we will see the balance. So why then should we divide and create hierarchies? 
We're to work. Guys, and, and I know this, I sound like, a, like I'm just a, like a, off a sounding board again and again about you should be active, you should be involved, you should be working in the body, doing what you've been called to do specifically. You know, it, we should serve one another. It's interesting, the Bible says, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Yet how many people come to church and they feast on the abundance of the word of God but won't put in any work toward blessing the body of Christ or the increase of his kingdom? So everybody's eating. Not everybody's working. Think about that. Now, I would say this too, because I don't want to... There's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm not throwing stones. But... You know, there are those who serve the Lord in different ways. I recognize that. I realize that. You know, you're out there serving in the community. Maybe you're in a, a, you know, at a homeless shelter, or, you know, weekly, or you're counseling people, or you're discipling others outside these walls. And man, when you come here, you just need to sit and soak in the renewing waters of the Word of God. I get that. That's wonderful. But I'm just going to tell you, most of us should be serving engaged in blessing and building up the corporate gathering in some capacity. Now, he says here in verse 27, he says, you are, and Karen, you can come on up. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracle, isn't it interesting? The communicative kind of gifts come before these things that we would go, wow, miracles and healings and all. He wants you to understand. And then he says, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues or languages are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Well, guys, there's a little bit here, so I want to spend just a little bit of time. We won't spend a ton of time. Some of these gifts he's repeating, others he's bringing up for the first time, but uh, there will be a couple of things we draw out of this section next time as we segue into uh, chapter 13. But for now, just remember this. Love one another. Serve one another. Care for one another. Honor one another. And God will be glorified in your life. Amen? All right. So, Father, that's our, that's our prayer, that you would help us to love one another, to serve one another, to care for one another, to honor one another, and in so doing, serving and honoring you. And we thank you, God, for your love. And we recognize your wisdom in designing the roles and responsibilities in the body of Christ that each would be honored equally as we function faithfully in the capacity to which you've called us. And Father, I just pray that this church body, God, that we would all just come alive in you. That you would revive us you would refresh us 
God, that you'd be glorified in us. That's our prayer, God, that you'd just be glorified in us. And so we pray, God, just pour out your spirit and have your way.